2: The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, legendary rock photographer Bob Gruen went to Japan with Kiss, used to watch TV at the Dakota with one of his best friends, John Lennon, stayed up all night on many different nights with Joe Strummer of The Clash, and played a small role in both the New York Dolls' Rise to Fame and the Sex Pistols lineup. He's hanging out with Green Day these days, and he's hanging out with Chris Jericho. Bob's got rock and roll stories like you wouldn't believe, and has shot some of the most iconic photos in the history of rock and roll. You know that John Lennon, New York City? where John Lennon's wearing the New York City t-shirt. You know that one? Bob took that picture. He's telling... All of these stories right here on Talk is Jericho. If you like rock and roll, if you like art, if you like photography, if you like great stories about great guys, famous, iconic, legendary, super, super, super famous guys, you're going to love Bob Gruen's story. But before we talk about Bob, let me say thanks to all of you, the Talk is Jericho fans, for listening twice a week, every week, and for supporting our great Talk is Jericho sponsors who make this possible for me to do this for you for free and that includes Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga. He's giving you guys, once again, a great deal to you sexy beasts on DDP Yoga at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Now, if you take advantage of this deal, you'll also get hooked up with three free months of the new DDP Yoga Now app, all right? When I'm finished doing this introduction, I'm going to do yoga on the app on my phone. It is so, so revolutionary. The app is tremendous. I gave it a five-star review on iTunes, and if you go download it, you'll see I'm not the only one giving it such great ratings ddp has an android version of the app as well or you can get it at the google play store and and the best thing about the app is that i can get all the workouts right on my phone very accessible i don't have to lug around dvds or a dvd player i just do everything on the phone on the app and the app even has live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center it's got recipes, nutrition guides, you can watch live cooking shows, you can earn rewards within the app and redeem them for some cool prizes and DDP Yoga merch. You guys know how it works, man. The more yoga you do, the more points you get, the more points you get, the more free stuff you get. Now, that's what DDP Yoga is willing to do for you. And listen, you know what DDP Yoga has done for me, you know what DDP Yoga has done for thousands of others around the world. I believe in this program, I stand behind this program, and that's why you hear me talk about it so much, it's also why Dallas has given all of you a great deal. The Sexy Beast listeners of Talk is Jericho. You can get the best price on DDP Yoga at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Then if you purchase DDP Yoga at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, you'll get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. Three free months. Okay, that's free. Three months. You heard me right. Get started on DDP Yoga today. It's one of the best decisions you can make for your health, for your mental state of mind, for your peace of mind. It will change your life for the better, and you can do it now, and you can take advantage of the special offer and get the lowest price for DDP Yoga and three free months of access to the unbelievable DDP Yoga Now app. You're going to go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, and you're going to do it now. Change your life. Get started today. Get in the best shape you've ever been in at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Talk is Jericho, baby. Okay, so this is kind of almost part of rock and roll history here in Bob Gruen's uh, studio, uh, photography studio slash home slash uh, iconic place where most rockers <laughs> <laughs> have hung out over the years because, Bob, you are probably the most famous rock photographer of all time. I'm getting pretty well known, that's for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, I mean, I, you, you think of certain uh, photographers, but you're, you have... I mean, so many iconic images that people probably don't even realize that, that, you, that you've taken, that all, the, that all of them have been taken
1: by the same guy. Well, that's the interesting thing about my book, Roxene, uh, spelled S-E-E-N, like the things I've seen. Yeah. Um, when it came out, so many, and it's out now, um, so many people look through it and they don't realize that the guy who took the John Lennon picture also took the Led Zeppelin picture, also took the Clash picture, and Sex Pistols, and Debbie Harry, and... Dress to, the Dress to Kill album cover. And Dress to Kill Kiss cover. Uh, I also took the the pictures when Kiss made their comic book. I took the pictures of them pouring the blood. and the No egg. kidding. Uh, all kinds of things I've done that. Um, You know, people don't realize the same person was uh, getting How how did you become,
2: just briefly, you know, to get into the position where you're you're meeting up with all these guys and taking all these pictures?
1: Well, uh, one thing always led to another. I mean, uh, it's interesting how I got involved with KISS. Uh, It was actually when I was working with John Leonard and Yoko Ono. Uh, They were recording at the record plant, and uh, Bill Coyne and Joyce Biowitz had a TV show uh, out of Chicago, and they came to New York to record record company presidents with their favorite artist and so of course john lennon as president of apple his favorite artist was yoko uh, <laughs> and so they were recording john and yoko in the studio and that's the first time i met bill O'Coin. and uh then uh he also uh, worked with um uh neil bogart uh, at the uh, head Hover of Castle records Blanca as part records, of his yeah. tv show and they did a number of people and then when he met kiss uh he brought them to neil at Buddha Records and I was already doing a lot of work with Buddha Records and it was kind of a natural fit since I was working with Buddha Records pretty re- you know, normally and I already knew Bill and Joyce uh, so when they started managing Kiss they came to me and mm-hmm. um you know asked me to take the pictures actually one of the first pictures i did was when they signed the contract with neil bogart there's a picture uh neil put on makeup and he actually handcuffed himself to the contract <laughs> you know <laughs> to make it a little more dramatic um and we took that picture actually in the alleyway at the academy of music uh, it was a new year's eve i think it was 1973 maybe um Maybe seventy-two. Anyway, yeah, it was early uh, on New Year's Eve when Iggy Pop was playing and Kiss was the opening act mm-hmm. uh, here on Fourteenth Street in New York at the Academy of Music. And uh, I remember taking pictures of the show. It was the first time I ever saw them. They were wild and. Uh, It was kind of uh, a crazy night. Uh, Gene had some new pyrotechnics because they had a little budget from the record company. So he had bought these kind of fireballs that uh, you kind of squeeze it somehow and it lights and then you throw it right away or you throw it and then it lights in the air. Hmm. Uh, And he threw the first one a little too late and it hit somebody in the face. And actually burned the guy a little bit. Uh, and it was funny because he came backstage. He didn't want to leave the show. They wanted to take him in an ambulance to treat his burn. And he was, loved Kiss so much. And he didn't blame them at all. He was happy to be part of the show, practically. <laughs> you you know? know what's funny? Uh, I, I had Gene on the show, and he told that exact same story. Yeah, it was wild. the, the kid, addition yeah. was he
2: said they had the guy sign something. Oh, we love you so much. Just, just sign here, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they didn't want to sue him later. That's right. But I do remember that the kid was such a fan. He had no intention of suing. He was happy to be happy part, of part of it the show. Uh, so the next one gene held it back a little too long and it caught his hair on fire mm. and uh i remember their uh sean come running out and put a towel over gene's head and put the fire out uh and interesting thing for me was that i was used to taking pictures uh before a show when the band is getting ready uh certainly with kiss we always did that when they put the makeup on we'd have to take a bunch of pictures uh and then during the show and then after the show usually whatever celebrities are at the show we come back to talk to the band and i would. Part of my job is take pictures of all of that and the after party or whatever, and so I got to the dressing room that first night and Bill was standing there. He goes, "No, Bob, there's no pictures after the show. There's no pictures of kiss without the makeup." And I was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yes, are only kiss with makeup on. There will be no pictures without makeup." Wow. And I was like, "I'm free. I can go home."
2: <laughs> and I did. I'm coming. <laughs> at the to work, right?
1: <laughs> and. Um, and so from then on, it was, it was easy and it was hard. I mean, I didn't have to spend the whole night taking pictures, but we had to do a whole night and a whole day and a whole week's worth of pictures in the 10 minutes before they went on stage. I see. Because each guy would actually put on their own makeup, which took a while because it's pretty elaborate and they did it very carefully. Um, and then once the makeup was on, then they would kiss and then I could take pictures. And that only lasted about 10 or 15 minutes before they went on stage. Mm. So we had to have pictures of them sitting around, having a drink, talking to people, doing whatever they you know do to make it look like they were always kissed. Um, especially when we went to Japan, we went over there and um, you know they were flying on the plane like normal people, and then. A half hour before we landed, they got up and they put on their makeup, and then we had to take a series of pictures of them sitting in the seats, talking to stewardesses, walking around the airplane as if they had been Kiss for the entire time, flight. <laughs> you know, um, and that was funny because they came off. They wanted to arrive in Japan as Kiss, of course, and they came off the plane, and uh, there was. Probably two hundred, you know, photographers. They have a lot of magazines and photographers in Japan, so all these people were taking pictures when they arrived. The customs agents refused to pass them uh, with their makeup on, uh, and it was a great, you know, press coup for them that they were not themselves when they had the makeup on. Right. That the customs agents couldn't be sure if it was really Gene Simmons or you know looking Paul Stanley by looking at the passport pictures. Whatever, the passport. Yeah. They, and I remember Bill had tried to get an alternate passport photo uh the way some people like um you know they have an aka like a their real name also known as carrie grant or whoever mm. you know um and they try to do that with you know here's the photo aka also seen as you know <laughs> um you know this kiss character and the uh, customs guys wouldn't go for it and they had to actually come into customs go into a side room they did provide a private room because they said their identities were secret and japan the authorities actually went along with that uh, which was again a great press coup Mm -hmm. that they could go into a private room wash the makeup off be approved that they were really themselves put the makeup back on and reappear to drive to the airport (laughs) as kiss kiss. (laughs) 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 so um the only times I've actually been with Kiss a couple of times when they put makeup on during the day it's very rare that they'll do a photo session aside from actually at a show mm-hmm. um, but actually it was in Japan was the first one when they um, uh, Music Life magazine wanted to do a special issue about them and they were paying them a lot to do this special issue it was an entire issue uh, music, mag- music Life was one of the biggest music magazines in the world it had over a million circulation for a music a big color magazine that came out weekly. This is a Japanese uh, magazine. A Japanese yeah. magazine. Uh, there was only two like it. There was one in Germany and this one in Japan. Music Life was a big one. Um, so they wanted to do a special issue on Kiss, and Kiss agreed to do it. They were being paid for it. Um, Gene agreed to just about anything that he's getting paid for, <laughs> you know. And um, but they had to prove that they were in Japan. And they didn't want just pictures in a dressing room or pictures on stage because that could be any dressing room or any stage. And they needed pictures showing that they were in Japan. Uh, So at the theater, we took a number of pictures of them talking to guards or talking to the promoters or other Japanese people. But they wanted to see that they were in Japan. So in Kyoto, we arranged to go outside uh, around the city. Uh, to several different Japanese shrines Famous Japanese shrines uh, To sh- take pictures of them there Proving they were actually in mm-hmm. the country um, I went around the day before And I s- had a cab driver And the promoter directed the cab driver we went to about Six or eight different famous shrines And I took Polaroids of them And then that night we went over it with the band And I showed them the pictures And asked them which ones they wanted to use And we picked out three of them And I had arranged for the same cab driver To come back the next day so the band and a lot of press that we had with us got on the bus. I had the cab driver leading the bus, and I could just show him the Polaroid and say, take me back to this place. <laughs> and then he knew which place it was because yeah. he had been there with me the day before. So we went back, and I remember the first one, there was a big Buddha statue. And uh, as we were coming up the, the hill to the statue, I saw the promoter kind of rushing down the hill. And I was like, why is he leaving? We're just about to get here. I, I thought he was going to be helping us out with this. And we got there and we got off the bus and I started arranging everybody. And some people started talking Japanese to our handlers and they're going back and forth. And I'm just telling the band, get over there. Let's start, you know, get this done right away. And they're posing in front of the booth and I'm taking a bunch of pictures. And the Japanese guys are saying, Bob, we got to talk to you. I said, no, no, I'm busy. You know, in a minute. He goes, no, no, we really have to talk to you. I said, I'm busy. I'm taking the pictures right now, you know. And he said, no, we really have to talk to you. I said, what? And he goes, well, this is a trying to the dead and were really like upsetting them oh. by using this as a background for a rock and roll band you know there's people <laughs> here praying and so we apologized profusely by that time we were done we had plenty of pictures um, and we left <laughs> that's why the promoter was running away, away. Uh, and then we went to another place the Golden Pavilion and, and the thing was a lot of people who were at the first place at the Buddha place when we got back on the bus they started following us mm. so by the time we got to the second place there must have been 20 or 30 cars following mm. us And then everybody who was there, when we left that place, started following us. So by the time we got to the third place, we had a parade of about 70 or 80 cars following us through Kyoto. And it turned into this big (laughs) madhouse. And it was like literally hundreds of people watching us. Uh, by the time we got to the third place. Was it uh, hard?
2: Um, I mean, you're the official photographer,
1: obviously. Hmm. Was there a lot of
2: people always with cameras poised trying to get pictures of those guys without their makeup on?
1: Well, I was very nervous. We talk, I talked to Bill coin about that before we went, about how they would handle that, that there are so many people in Japan with cameras. I mean, nowadays, everybody sure. everywhere has a camera. Phone, yeah. But back then, uh, you had to actually know how to you know develop film and and deal with the f-stops and so on the shutter speeds but in japan they were very into the photography and so there were a lot of cameras around there and um and the way it was was there was the band and each one had their own roadie and then there was a couple of more handlers and the manager and the publicist and his assistant and me and my assistant and uh and we had about a dozen or more uh press people that they had brought along with them So altogether, there was more than 30, probably almost 40 people in the entourage, and Kiss was just part of those people, and without the makeup, they don't look at all like Kiss, and so when you're looking at 40 foreigners... (laughs) <laughs> it's like, pick the one that could be Kiss. Yeah. It could be anybody. Guys, you know, a couple yeah. of their guards were even taller than Jeans, so he wasn't even the biggest guy. Right. Um, so it really didn't happen. It, there was nobody to focus on. They had no idea who Kiss was out of the crowd that we mm-hmm. traveled with. Mm-hmm. So that really didn't happen. Um, there were guards around them, and sometimes they, I remember they were in a nightclub one time, and uh, their guards were pretty strict about nobody taking any pictures of them without makeup uh to the point where it got a little silly sometimes and uh they were the guys were pretty aggressive about it i remember one time when i was with the new york dolls in new orleans and kiss had played a show nearby and in new orleans uh, the dolls played late shows which went on at 3 and 5 a.m <laughs> that's mm-hmm. new orleans for you right uh, so kiss came to the show after their show and they were hanging out there, and I was taking some pictures of the band. And all of a sudden, a guard had grabbed me, and he's holding me up against the wall. You can't take any pictures of Gene without his makeup. I'm like, I'm not. I'm taking pictures of the band on stage. He goes, Well, Gene might be in that picture. I said, Well, he might or might not. Mm-hmm. And you're not taking my film. Like, don't even think about it. He's like, Give me your film. I'm like, No, you're not wow. getting my film. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. I said, I know Bill of You call Bill a Coin, tell him my name, and tell him that you tried to take my film and see what he says. You know, um, So So I got away with it, but a lot of people were harassed by the guards quite a bit. They would take the film and throw. Uh, They would take the film and expose it. Uh, They were real, real strict about not getting any Mm -hmm. any photos out. I remember one time. We were at a party, and I think Gene was holding his hand over his face to kind of cover his face. while well, I took a picture of him with uh, the editor of the magazine, and a couple of days later, the publisher called him and said, You can't use that picture. And he said, Yes, I can. Gene posed for it. You know, I'm using it. Uh, and you couldn't really see him. It's one of the few pictures where they didn't have makeup, but he was pretty covered up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked the makeup. It made them very special. It made them... Um, Truly a, a superhero character. Absolutely. Um, I had a very interesting experience when I f- early on working with them when we did the Dress to Kill uh, pictures. Is that your idea? Who's um, idea was that? It was actually uh, an idea by the Cream Magazine art director, uh, Charlie Oranger. I had an idea to do a comic book about Kiss. And the story was that Kiss was... Um, your average office worker on their way to work reading the newspaper, and that's why they're dressed in suits and ties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a secret identity. Of course, with the makeup on, you'd never recognize them because they had a suit and tie, and they didn't like look Superman at all. Like. The glasses. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like Superman with his glasses, Clark something Kent. like that. Yeah. Or even worse. I mean, that makeup, don't you can't take <laughs> yeah. it off like glasses. you. Yeah. Know? So, um, but anyway, we did the, the pictures, and the idea was that they were reading the newspaper, and they saw in the newspaper uh, there was a concert by a guy named John Cleveland, which I think was John Denver, cleverly disguised. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and they were horrified that the world was so bland and <laughs> John uh, that they had to save the world with rock and roll. And so they went around town putting up fake posters for John Cleveland. And everybody comes to the concert and instead. Kiss comes out and they save the world and they get medals pinned on them and they're rewarded with an orgy so, backstage. <laughs> so, uh, this was kind of like a comic book, in, like a picture. It's called a comic photo book. novella. Photo and novella and it's a comic right. book made out of photo I remember those, yeah. And, uh, and so the cream filled in all the captions and the words and everything and it's very funny and it's very irreverent and it is online where you can actually see the whole comic book uh, and it's. Um, Anyway, while we were doing that, it was just sort of an afterthought as we came, because we were down in the subway taking pictures of them, and then there's a picture of them rushing into a phone booth, pulling off their costumes. And we actually had to use a different subway for them to come out, pulling, you know, dressed as Kiss yeah. after the costume, because I wanted it to run across the page and not have them run in and run back out. I see, you know, in the opposite direction. I wanted them to keep going across the page. We actually had to find another subway station with a different <laughs> phone booth that went the other direction. That's great. Um, so we did that. Uh, but as we came out of the subway station, I said, oh, just stand here on the corner. Let's get some pictures. And they were just kind of standing around on the corner, 8th the Avenue and 23rd Street. For you fans who want to go and do the God. pilgrimage, <laughs> uh, southwest corner. Um and uh, and we took a series of pictures there. There's actually some online where you can see some people standing around making jokes about them. Because um, in those days, Kiss could walk around the sidewalk. They looked like somebody in a Halloween costume. Uh, nobody even knew doing... that they were Kiss. And in New York, you have to be more than weird to get attention. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so people pretty much ignored them. It's just a bunch of weirdos. You know? Classic New York, right? And, yeah. yeah. you know. But when we came back to my place, and, they, and actually uh, another point about that picture is that Gene and... Uh, ace i believe didn't have their own suits and so they're wearing my suits uh which really adds to the picture especially with gene because the suit was far too small for him yeah and then he emphasized it by folding up the sleeves and, and rolling up the pants and he kind of looks like the Hulk, you know, busting out of his clothes because he's so much bigger than the suit. Right. You know, recently they did a John Bavardos ad where they look like fashion models because the suits all fit perfectly. <laughs> uh, the humor in my picture is that it didn't fit at all, and he looks like a monster. You know? <laughs> and he's wearing my wife's clogs, so he looks like That's right, got, The clogs. He, he looks like he's got hoofs instead of feet. Right. You know?
2: <laughs> did you get along with those guys as guys? But, um,
1: yeah. Oh, they're very. F- I mean, Gene is a laugh a minute, yeah. you know, and actually ended up friendly with all three of them uh, still. Them today. That's cool. Uh, whenever I see them, they're always you know really nice. Uh, well, let's talk
2: about you know, know happy
1: to see me? who 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 you're friends with, and I know you're very close to John well, Just to finish oh, that sure. part, when they were changing their clothes, we came back to my studio for them to change into the Kiss outfit, and while they were doing that, um, you know we'd come in and they were normal guys wearing these suits with this weird makeup, and I started changing the film and, and you know rewinding and reloading the cameras, and at one point I felt this odd presence behind me, and I turned around and Gene had his full costume on. And he suddenly had transformed into a superhero. Hmm. Uh, with the whole outfit, he was no longer this guy I had been joking with, you know, Gene from Queens or whatever, Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, he was suddenly this monster. And I remember that feeling like, oh my God, he, he really is he a superhero monster. He became the demon, the character, yeah. the demon. Which
2: I think kind of all of them did. That was kind of part of it.
1: Yeah, they really took on the persona of the character. It was more than just makeup. They put on the makeup, put on the clothes, and they were the character. Yeah. You know, they really took on that persona. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable when you think about that.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: Uh, you mentioned being friends with KISS, and also mm-hmm. I know you're very close with, with John and Yoko in mm-hmm. the 70s, which to me is there's, it, it, actually I, there's a lot to talk about here. And something that I didn't know. But first, just to kind of give a background for it, you met. You mentioned earlier that you had met up with John and Yoko. Mm. Became were you basically
1: right. their personal photographer? Uh, well, I became their personal photographer, uh, which is um, kind of like official photographer. But you're not exclusive photographer. Mm-hmm. They were a world class act. Other people took their pictures, mm-hmm. but when they wanted a picture, they would call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a couple of unique pictures, like when, the picture on John's green card. The identification picture is mine. Oh, yeah. uh, when Sean was born and was a month old, they called me to take pictures of the new baby to send to their family. Um, things like that. But also I had access to them in the studio and you know, all the time uh, visited at home a lot. Uh, they were very comfortable with me taking their picture. How did you come up? How did you guys do the
2: the famous New York City picture with John? Uh,
1: well, John, uh, he, the art director actually came up with an idea for an album cover, which was a series of pictures just of, his, of John's face, and they had to all be the same size, because they made um, they cut the pictures into strips, and they put flaps on the album cover. Uh, anybody old enough to remember album covers? Yeah. Um, they make album covers. They're coming, back, covers, now. They're you coming know. back now. I know. <laughs> uh, and they cut these strips so you could fold a different part of the face over the, the album cover face, and you could change the eyes or change the mouth and change the expression. And there were actually more pictures on the... Uh, Inner sleeve liner Albums used to have Inner sleeves on them mm-hmm. With lyrics uh, which, on the record Yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah have Printing and artwork <laughs> and Pictures yeah And you could pull that out and, and you could use that picture With the flaps from the front To create even more okay. Variations on the picture And it was basically a toy uh, and uh, that was really amusing. Uh, they've reissued it over the years. which they album is that? The, uh, the Walls and Bridges. Walls and bridges um, okay. uh, by the time it got to CD, they couldn't make flaps anymore. Mm. There is a Japanese version that's CD size with mini flaps oh. on. It, <laughs> you know? uh, but most of the plastic, you know, uh, what do they call them? Uh, clam box case or whatever uh, yeah. Jewel, jewel box, the jewel right, box. Yeah. Um, they don't have flaps so they've changed the album cover now that they've reissued it a few times mm-hmm. but the original one had these uh, flaps that would fold over so we had to do a whole series of pictures just of john's face they were the same size and uh, he wanted me to do it quickly and easily uh, the art director had wanted him to go to a famous photographer's studio and john actually didn't want to spend all afternoon have it, taking the pictures he felt it was just a Series of pictures of his face, how hard could that be? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he asked me to come over, and um, it was actually difficult to get them all the exact same size. I set up a Hasselblad on a tripod. I mean, usually I'm much more movable. I use a 35 yeah. millimeter and I move around, but this time I put the camera on the tripod and just had him sit there and make all different faces. We did a series of pictures of him making faces with. Uh, several series, each with different pairs of glasses, and then set up here on the wall right there. Is those
2: ones there. You put all yeah. the glasses
1: on. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that was one of the ones that uh, actually is pretty popular nowadays. I really like the one with all the glasses. Yeah, that's a famous shot. in spite too. of you know five or six pairs of glasses, you can see through them and you can see John's eye looking yeah. through. Um, it was a great day, and I got a great set of pictures of him. And then when we were done, he said, "Well, uh, you know, the, uh, let's take some more pictures so we have the publicity kit ready." And so we started taking a couple of pictures around the rooftop, and the whole skyline of New York was around us. And uh, the New York City uh, T-shirt is a shirt I used to wear a lot. And uh, they weren't sold by any store or company. They were sold by guys who made them themselves and sold them on the sidewalk in Times Square. And I just liked the graphics of it and the power and simplicity of it. And I used to buy them and, like I say, wear them all the time. And sometimes I would buy some for friends of mine. And one night when I was on the way to the visit John in the studio in '70, 70, summer 73, um, I picked up – these guys were there, and I just picked up a shirt for him. I cut the sleeves off with my buck knife because it gives it a more New York City look. Uh, and I gave it to him in the studio. And then a year later when we were on the roof of his apartment uh, and we were taking the pictures – and I said, uh, do you still have that T-shirt I gave you last year? And he knew right where it was. And, uh, and he had been back and forth to L.A. a couple of times. People have heard about his lost weekend. Yeah. So it was kind of a chaotic period in his life. And the fact that he knew where the shirt was and he still had it with him. Because uh, he wasn't back in the Dakota with Yoko yet. He was still in a separate apartment uh, on the east side. But I knew he liked the shirt, and so he put it on, uh, and he looked comfortable in it, and we took a series of pictures uh, with the shirt with the denim jacket on and so on. Um, and we had no idea when we were doing that 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 would be the most iconic photo taken of John Lennon because uh, there's an awful lot of pictures taken oh, of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I felt like I won the lottery when that picture <laughs> got famous because uh, it is one of the most well-known pictures of John, and there are so many pictures of him out there so uh, how did that one become uh, so iconic well people just really like it you know because we were friends he was very comfortable and he was very open uh he's got the sunglasses on so he looks like a pop star uh but there's something again about the power of the new york city uh, statement and the skyline behind him and him just looking so comfortable and and he looks good and he's accessible, I mm-hmm. think, in that picture. He's like, you because know, we were having a conversation and he looks like he's ready to have yeah. a conversation with somebody. Um, so, the, I mean, those are my ideas. I really don't know why so many people around the world have taken to that picture, but I don't mind. <laughs> you know, to like it, yeah, I'm so. sure. Right. I'm sure it's OK for you uh, royalty wise as well.
2: Uh, but I mean it's so iconic a because say he say looks like a, he looks like a like a rock star He's mm. wearing a New York City shirt, which is where he lived mm. and basically died but he's from liverpool it's kind of a real international it really sums up rock and roll for some reason that
1: picture it, it does and and i don't have specific answers to yeah. the reason but it certainly you yeah, know it, it resonates with a lot of people around the world it's all over the world My, did you've seen it in oh everywhere uh, you know there's bootleg t-shirts in japan brazil moscow yeah, europe everywhere i've been I, i've seen that picture what uh, was your relationship with john outside of taking photos did you guys hang out sometimes and uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes we just go over and watch TV and smoke and talk. And I remember he used to always have a TV on. And, uh,. One time, cause the TV irritates me. I don't really like to watch TV, and I certainly don't like it, to have it on if you're not watching it. And we were talking one day, and I said, "Do you have to have the TV on? It's always flickering. You know, it's so distracting." And he said, "Well, we could talk if the window was open, couldn't we?" And I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "Well, that's my window to the world." Huh? <laughs> you know? um, he was actually the first visitor to this apartment. Uh, oh, really? He was in here. Uh, we lived in. I lived in the building since 1970, but in 75 we moved up here. And it's about as far as you can get from the front door. It's a little complicated. Yeah, it's
2: it's it it, a little complicated. You know, you have to down actually ladder, follow the directions through of, a it, hole, swing it, across a chasm. yeah. It's yeah. kind
1: of like a Rochard text. Did they listen to the doorman's directions <laughs> yeah. or not? You know, how long is it going to take? Um, and actually, when I was moving upstairs here from the other apartment we had, which was the first apartment, was right next to the front door. Mm-hmm. And so, and John and Yoko lived around the corner on Bank Street, literally half a block away. And sometimes they would come to visit, uh, I had a videotape machine in the early days, and they had had one, but they'd given it to some Indian tribe. and so when somebody would send them a tape, they'd come over to my house to watch it. And uh, and other times they came by, uh, when they played on the Jerry Lewis telethon, uh, we recorded it. And in those days, there was no way to set a... Record. It was very rare that somebody could record a show at all, but we happened to have not just a videotape machine, but a monitor that you could record off of. And uh, so after the, the telethon, they came down to our house to watch it, and uh, with the elephants Memories and some Elvin's Angels and a whole bunch of people, it was quite a party. Uh, so anyway, John knew where that apartment was, and it was easy but he he called me the weekend i was moving up to this new apartment and uh, i told him i was in the dark room finishing some pictures and he said that he wanted to meet him he wanted me to meet him because harry Nielsen was in town mm-hmm. and john hadn't been drinking since he had come back from la hadn't really been out but harry was in town he said we, i got to go out it's harry's here you know and i knew all the doormen and club owners so he wanted me to come along and you know kind of smooth things out uh, so I went to meet them at the first place by the time I got there they had just left because uh, whenever they got somewhere they were so popular that right within 20 minutes people were there was a, such a crowd around them you would have to leave and they went uptown to town at the tracks and I went up there and they had just left and they went over to J.P.'s and I went over there and I just missed them and I thought I can't chase them around all yeah. night forget this and I came home Friday night and they were out all weekend and Sunday afternoon John called me and he said he was in the neighborhood and could he stop by before he went home? He wanted just to have a cup of coffee and kind of come down a bit. And I said, sure. I said, but I moved to a new apartment, so have the doorman buzz me when I, when you get here, and I'll, uh, I'll come down and get you to show you how to get up here. So about a half an hour or so goes by, and i th- thinking he should have been here already. And I was walking across the apartment to buzz back to the doorman and see if some weird english guy had shown up and he came john came breezing into the apartment and he said man you got some weird neighbors uh and you see because this apartment this building the entire building is is artist residence so yeah. everybody is some kind of an artist all right. different kinds but there's some kind of artist so he was ringing doorbells trying to find my apartment <laughs> and this is like middle of july a summer afternoon on a sunday afternoon (laughs) and everybody's an artist and suddenly john lennon is standing at your door four o'clock on a sunday and so everybody's saying oh let me read you my poem let me show you my dance i just made a new painting i just wrote a song you know everybody (laughs) had something to say to him you know so i'm kind of well known in the building ever since then
2: there's a and what i was going to bring up earlier is i just read a book called um man on the run it's about McCartney Mm in the 70s Uh and talked which I didn't realize how much that John and Paul actually had talked to each other and kind of hung out and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing and there's a story in there about you Mm -hmm. being at John's or something when Paul showed up
1: yeah Uh, well I was often at the apartment you know like I say hanging out watching TV this is the uh, Dakota at the Dakota apartment Uh, and nobody gets into the Dakota apartments without being announced Uh, like it just wouldn't happen that somebody would ring your doorbell, you know, without the, there's like two or three layers of doormen downstairs, you know, the people, at security, that people have to get through. So we're sitting there one night in early December, and suddenly the doorbell rang. Uh, And John and Yoko were under the deportation hearing. The U.S. government was trying to throw them out. And the government had shown up at their apartment here on Bank Street one night just to escort them to the airport. And so the fact that somebody was at the door, without being announced made John Yoko extremely nervous and you know who could that possibly be and they had no idea Uh, and I went out to open the doors to find out and there was a double door Uh, so I opened the inner door and I heard what sounded like children singing Christmas carols you know we wish you a merry christmas like that and i yelled back like don't be nervous it's just some kids with christmas carols and i opened the outer door and it was paul and linda singing christmas carols <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's great so they came breezing in i said i think you want to see the guys in the bedroom there uh and because johnny yorka spent most of their time sitting on their bed that's where they would meet people that's where they would really think yeah they, they spent a lot of time sitting in bed that really nice bed <laughs> 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 and um And so we went in there, and uh, seeing them greeting each other, it was like old friends, happy to see each other. You know, there might have been animosity between lawyers, but not between the Beatles, as far as I saw. Uh, I know John was in touch with Ringo all the time, in touch with George. Uh, They stopped working together, but they didn't stop being friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they seemed very happy to see each other. Paul had just recently been refused admission into Japan because he had a prior uh, arrest for a little bit of marijuana. And we talked about that a bit. And he was talking about how much he wanted to go back to Japan. And uh, basically, we had English tea, you know, with milk and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little sugar, the way English people do. <laughs> and, uh, and it seemed like a very friendly meeting. Yoko and Linda were getting along like friends. And uh, it seemed like a really pleasant meeting. Mm. Um, I I do remember a couple of years later, Paul finally got permission to go to Japan and he went in and they discovered eight ounces of pot on the top of his suitcase. I remember asking John, like, why would he do that? Like, he had been refused admission for having a tiny bit Mm -hmm. and he comes in from Hawaii with eight ounces on the top of his suitcase, you know? (laughs) Like, you're traveling with 25, 30 people. Couldn't there be, like, one extra pink suitcase nobody knows (laughs) whose it is? Yeah. Um, And John said, well, as a beetle... it it never occurred to him that he would be searched it just never happened they always got such special vip treatment uh they were just whisked through airports they never ever you know would imagine that they could be searched and uh and i thought that was kind of ironic very interesting
2: right yeah when you think about how
1: how big that band was and how how well treated they were yeah did he talk about beatles stuff a lot uh not a lot i mean there were a couple of things i remember him saying uh One of the last conversations we had, he was uh, very happy that people were reviewing Yoko Ono's uh, contributions to the The Double Fantasy Fantasy album. He was really thrilled that people seemed to really like her work. And so they were in the studio making a new song that Yoko had just written, Walking on Thin Ice. And while they were mixing, at one point, there was some delay in the taping, and we sat on the floor and talked for quite a while. And one of the things he told me then was that he was very proud to uh, have been the leader of the best band in the world, The Beatles, you know, that he, he was aware that it was considered the best band in the world. He certainly thought it was, uh, and, um, and he was very proud to be, you know, considered the leader of that. And he also said, I've had the fortune, you know, great fortune as a producer to work with two of the best artists in the world, Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono. Hmm and hearing that in the same sentence i knew that there might be a lot of people in the world who didn't understand him but i did understand him and i understood that as much as he admired paul he admired yoko and he was you know very he you know blessed deep, to be working with res- both of them deep respect for yoko as an artist listen to anything he says and it's always you know about how much he respects yoko how much he listens to yoko uh, how much he learned and it was inspired by yoko right um i've never met anybody who has met yoko who didn't like her i've met a lot of people who haven't met her who don't like her who don't like her (laughs) because of what they hear in the press yeah um she's had uh, her art exhibits around the world always great success with that Uh, she just finally had one here in uh, new york at uh, moma the museum of modern art um and they were making a big deal about how they finally recognized Yoko, not taking into account that she has had countless exhibits in museums around the world for fifty years. Of course, years. MoMA has you know yeah. a bit of an ego about themselves, but they did finally recognize her, and she had a very big, very successful exhibit there. So it's only like 40 years later, you know, 50 years later since she made the work that people are finally waking up to what it is and what it means and how amazing, how amazingly simple it is. And at the same time, how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. Um, if anybody wants to find out about Yoko, they should, you know, see her work like John did. You know, if they want to hear how John felt about Yoko, they should read the interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, he may have been with other women at times, but he always admired Yoko and he always you know He only wrote songs about Yoko. He didn't write songs about other women. Yeah um, and uh, You know their relationship is one for the ages, you know the John used to say that John Yoko was one word <laughs> And for many people it is he believed you know? yeah. Um, Do you think
2: and this is just <laughs> A guessing game or, or fantasy but had john not
1: not passed away when he did do you think the beatles would have ever done something again well one never knows yeah. one, <laughs> you know uh what the future could hold um there certainly are a lot of bands that are getting back together that you yeah. never expected you know <laughs> that i mean from you know some of the bigger bands you know uh I do Aerosmith broke up. They came back together. The police. The New York Dolls. I mean, the the New York Dolls broke up for thirty years. They yeah. came back together. The Police. are yeah. touring. You look around, like half the bands that are touring now are bands you mm-hmm. know that broke up in the seventies. Um, the Rolling Stones were smart. They never broke up. Yeah. they just didn't work together for eight years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? and did solo projects. But they never said they broke up. You did know? you deal? Uh, take a lot of shots with the Stones? Uh, yes, over the years, quite a bit. I actually have a book that came out on Genesis, uh, 25 years of the Rolling Stones. Wow! So you work uh, with that Crossfire quite a Hurricane as well. I thought
2: Crossfire Hurricane was your book yeah okay I didn't realize that yeah how how was the dynamics uh, taking shots at those guys
1: Uh, oh well they're always fun and they know what they're doing you know makes it very easy Uh, I haven't done a lot of personal sessions but I did an at home session with Ronnie Wood once I've seen Keith at a lot of parties and events and things Uh, we get along pretty well he's yeah he's the coolest guy going, you know he is, right, uh, yeah the Rolling Stones are the best looking band. If you want to look like a rock and roll band you have to know what the Rolling Stones look like um, as far as you know, as far as haircut and attitude, you know, rock and roll is more than just music. It is haircut and attitude because for me, rock and roll is not just about the beat, it's about the freedom. I think that rock and roll is the freedom to express yourself very loudly. <laughs> and uh, and Rolling Stones certainly are the best example of that. Uh, and, uh, and all the bands that have come since. You know.
2: When you, you talk about Attitude, I know, you, know you, you mentioned you worked a lot with The Stones and with John and Yoko and with Kiss, but then suddenly when the punk scene exploded in the mid-'70s, late-'70s, you were right involved with, with mm. those bands as well.
1: Well, like I say, my life, one thing leads to another. Uh, it was actually interesting that I met the New York Dolls because, again, through the connection with John and Yoko, uh, they had the Elephant's Memory Band as a backup band, and the Elephant's Memory were managed by Lieber and Krebs, and when I went to the office, I was working on an album cover for Elephant's Memory, they said, you got to see this other band that we manage, the New York Dolls, and so I ended up going down to Mercer Arts Center and seeing the Dolls being totally blown away, uh, starting to work with them, and they Becoming very good friends with them. Uh, they're like family to me. Mm-hmm. And, um,. About two years, a couple of years later, when they were breaking up, Malcolm McLaren came to town with some clothes that he had made for them. And, you know, they credit Malcolm as managing the dolls, but he didn't really manage them. But he did manage to resurrect them from the ashes uh, that they were about to fall into and save their lives. He got Arthur into a rehab. He got Jerry and Johnny into rehabs. uh, Basically, because he wanted them to play concerts and wear his clothes. (laughs) So he got them to play a couple of shows. But they were really falling apart And that didn't really work And he went back to England uh, Bringing Sylvain's equipment with him Uh, And Sylvain from the Dolls Was going to start a new band With Malcolm in England And Malcolm started getting some backup guys, you know, the rest of the band together. He got Steve Jones and, uh, you know, Paul Cook and Glenn Matlock. And Syl was supposed to come. Uh, I played a little role in there since I had some contacts in Japan and the Dolls were David and Syl were totally broke. Uh, A promoter who wanted to bring the Dolls to Japan said that if they got another couple of guys together, they could come to Japan as the Dolls. So David and Sylvain went to Japan and Malcolm got tired of waiting and he got this other guy called Johnny Rotten and that became the Sex Pistols wow. instead of Sylvain's band. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that could have been Sylvain's so, band. <laughs> so that have, they wanted
2: that to be kind of some of the dudes from the Dolls. Uh,
1: yeah, and yeah, I don't know how things would have worked out again. You know, who knows what the future could have yeah. been. Um, <laughs> but when I went to England a year later, uh, Malcolm had this band, the Sex Pistols. And Malcolm was the only person I knew in England besides the editor of uh, the... Melody Maker Who I actually had never met But I would worked with uh, So I called him up I had dinner with the editor And Malcolm got me A place to stay And he took me to a place Called Club Louise Which was kind of like The back room of Max's For the punk scene in England uh, In this one little club I met the Sex Pistols The Clash Susie and the Banshees Billy Idol Marco Peroni Caroline Coon And John Savage The journalists Who were writing up The punk scene And I basically Kind of met everybody In one all night the, All the you know, heads a of couple state Right there right there Right Yeah, yeah oh, And cool. all of that was uh you know from malcolm who i met through the donalds who i met through john and Yoko. One thing, Lisa, another. You know, so. who was your favorite of, the, of all those punk bands uh you know i don't have lists mm-hmm. because when you've been uh, back and forth on a bus uh, you know across america with the clash a couple of times uh, i went on the sex pistols bus um you know i've seen a lot of those bands play so the you know people like x-ray specs in a pub in england you know when they were starting out and uh It's hard to list who's number one or who's number two, you know Although I will say that the Sex Pistols make people scream with rage But the Clash gave people the reasons Mm -hmm. You know, they say the Sex Pistols look back in anger and the Clash look to the future with hope So I I think that I'm one of those people who thinks that the Clash were the only band that really mattered (laughs)
2: Because the Clash, the Clash were really huge in in America, which people... Yeah, they broke
1: out and had hits and... um, It's interesting. At one point, when they were selling out, you know, all their concerts were selling out. And one of the journalists said, you know, uh, to Mick Jones, the Clash was having a press conference, and he said, you know, you've been accused of selling out. You know, how do you answer that? And he said, well, when you schedule a concert and you print up a certain number of tickets, and then when people have bought all the tickets, you've sold out. (laughs) (laughs) We sell out every night, (laughs) and they sell out every night. And they were great. And they actually they did they, they never had a show that wasn't sold out. Really? Yeah. Yeah, right from the beginning Um, What was um, I don't really know a lot About Joe Strummer Kind of a mysterious he guy. He used to sleep on this couch. On this
2: couch right <laughs> yeah. here. How many, how many guys have slept on
1: this couch? Uh, oh, a few. Johansson. Uh, <laughs> I mean, John Satie here. Actually, it's a new couch, but it's it's in the this same place area. as the old couch. You know? Yeah. Eventually, that old couch had to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, they slept right here in this room.
2: Strummer, uh, was he a pretty uh, intricate guy? Was he a cool guy,
1: funny guy? He was very funny uh, and very deep uh, thoughtful guy like he'd always go I've been thinking and then he'd come up with things like you know I found a dime today and I put it in my pocket and I thought it would be my lucky dime but then when I took it out there was two dimes and I don't know which one was the lucky one and I'd have to say things like well you found two dimes instead of one I think you had your luck already you know you don't get a lot of luck with a dime (laughs) so we'd have conversations like that Uh, whenever he would say I've been thinking you know something really interesting would come out I remember one of his trips to New York, he was really into photography. A number of his friends he was were, into photography. He was into photography. A number of his friends were photographers. Uh, he really liked the process, and he liked the you know the way you could create different um, different things through photography. And one trip, he was here. He was fascinated with the reflections in hubcaps. And every time he saw a shiny hubcap, like we were walking around the city, he would get down and start taking pictures of the city reflected in the hubcap. Wow. You know, uh, We had a lot of fun together. My wife and I used to always tell each other, though, uh, that when you go out to dinner with Joe's family, we'd remind each other, you got your sunglasses? Like we'd have to make sure we brought our sunglasses. Because if you go out to dinner with Joe, you'd end up going somewhere else, and then somewhere else. And when you walk out of a bar at 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, morning. you need your sunglasses. <laughs> uh, we made the mistake of forgetting them once when we went out with him in Chicago And at 8 in the morning It was one of those nights when it snowed all night And then the sun came out in the morning Yeah, On the bright white snow And we didn't have our sunglasses And after that we never <laughs> forgot to bring them <laughs> out, Joe would keep you out all night And uh, a and great thing about Joe Was that he didn't just talk to people Like a pop star A lot of pop stars talk about themselves and what they did Joe would listen to people and all kinds of people and i remember you know he'd come to like new york and we knew some of the locals and we go that guy's a jerk you know why do you want to talk to him He goes, no he's fascinating he comes from texas listen to his stories i'm like oh god how long is this <laughs> going to take you know <laughs> but joe was uh, always listening to anybody who would talk to him he stayed up till dawn most nights mm. uh, just talking and listening having conversations with people did you take a lot of uh, live photos as well? Live oh, yeah Yeah, most of the time I, I would say more than half of my photos okay. are, are live photos so Who were some of the uh, your favorite bands to, to take shots of? Because you know live again, I don't really make lists because I started I lived with a band called the glitter house in the 60s um, And then they got a deal uh, Bob crew actually the famous f- producer produced their record uh, they did the vocals for Barbarella Okay. Uh, he he liked them. He used them for that, and then he did an album with them, and and they were really fun to be with. But then I met Ike and Tina Turner, and there's nobody on stage more amazing than Tina Turner. Uh, but through Argentina, I met some publicists and a few more people in record companies, and I got hired to photograph Elton John when he first came to New York. And I remember thinking, like, oh, you a piano player. How do you take a good picture of a piano player? they got that big box in front of them. Right. You, can, you know, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to even see their fingers on the keys. Well, Elton John jumps on top of the piano. He plays horizontal with his feet out in the air, you know, like he's flying. I mean, he, he's really exciting. Even for a piano player, you know, he turns it into a a real show. Um, But then I met the New York Dolls, and they do a really amazing show. I mean, you can't take your eyes off them. They, they were like a train wreck. <laughs> you know, they, 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 were so bad. They were good. They were so good. They were bad. Uh, you know, it, it's like love them or hate them. Yeah. Uh, when the dolls would come out on stage, the audience, and start playing as they started playing, the audience would jump up in the air, start screaming and ha- bump into each other. Cause half the people were running towards the stage and half the people were running towards the door. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, but then of course the clash were I've never seen them do a bad show. Uh, The Sex Pistols were interesting in a different way because the whole room was chaos and a riot and people throwing things in both directions. Mm -hmm. People would throw things at the band. The band would throw it back. It was pretty much... Could they play at all, Sex Pistols? Uh, Watching Debbie Harry play is something I could do. All night, every night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, Debbie's Harry's real easy to watch, and the music was great, and she was funny. So, what are you looking so, for? As so, as a, as how, as a... how do you make a list, you know, how who's best? best you know it, I mean? it's, it's energy that you're looking for, though. Yeah. Right? yeah, I like to see passion and feeling, and in fact, in my photos, I, um, I like to capture the passion and the feeling uh, rather than just the facts. Like to me, it's not so important whether a guy is wearing a green shirt and big boots. It's like how does he feel? How, what's he putting out? You know, how does the audience react to what he's doing? And because I'm a fan, and because I react to what they're doing, uh, I know when to take the picture. I know when that moment comes that everything comes together and you really capture the feeling of what's going on hmm. and the energy of what's going on and the freedom of what's going on, and not just you know the fact of here's these five guys on this stage to me sure so when you when you say, I mean, things have changed over the years as far
2: as we were laughing about LPs and albums and all this sort of thing, but also the the, 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 the role of a photographer as well. When you're talking about, mm. you know, the New York City John Lennon picture, for example, and that goes all around the world. Is this mm. like your copywritten picture that you get royalties
1: for? Well, I, I'm, it's my copywritten picture. And yes, I do get royalties sometimes when mm. people don't rip it off and not pay me. Right. Uh, you know, with the Internet generation, uh, people don't seem to understand what copyright means that you're supposed to pay for somebody's work it's similar to the music that people just feel if there's music in the world why can't i just have it yeah you know you really have to pay somebody i mean how hard can it be to write a song you're just writing a couple of words you're singing yeah you know i mean musicians they're just playing why do you think they call it play Mm -hmm. is it really that hard you know and why shouldn't we just have it free and it's the same thing with photographs people see something they think well i'm i'm looking at it i'm Looking at it for free Why can't I just take, take it And, a screenshot and put it somewhere it? else You yeah. make a screenshot You put it on a t-shirt You put it on a poster You know uh, I've seen my pictures Bootlegged around the world uh, And in fact Sometimes when I see A wall of bootlegs I'm kind of pissed If I don't have one up there Like wait What about me You know <laughs> like, <laughs> Are my getting up To get stolen well, too because bootleggers Can steal anything they want Right And so when they choose To steal mine So consistently It is kind of a compliment mm-hmm. uh, There's nothing you can do You know No bootlegger Ever paid me a dime you know people who steal from the act steal from me too Mm -hmm. um i do occasionally have legitimate deals where people pay for pictures which is fortunate Mm -hmm. um but yeah it does get around a lot Uh, nowadays it's so easy to share things on the internet it's the same as Um, like
2: you mentioned the the music itself yeah or you know videos or or movies or whatever just gone take it if you want it
1: you know Yeah, people just send it around freely sharing everything, and uh, it does cut into your income.
2: How how does that, so let's say now, you know, here we are in 2015, and you have all these great experiences and all these amazing, you know, this track record. Do you still work quite frequently? There's still a lot of bands that
1: will bring you to take pictures? No. Okay. (laughs) No. I'm just wondering. Um, It's, in fact, so many people take their own pictures. Uh, You know, everybody loves the picture that their girlfriend takes or the manager takes or, you know, some fan takes and sends in. Uh, My own son is a singer-songwriter and i taken out a series of really nice pictures that he liked. Uh, At first, actually, he didn't have me take any pictures because he wanted to make it on his own and didn't want my help. And then eventually I kind of felt good that he actually said, you know, okay, Dad, you know, could you take some pictures for me? And I did a nice series of pictures and he was going to use them to promote his album. And then he sent me an email and said that his daughter, Jasmine, my granddaughter, who was eight years old at the time, had taken a really nice picture of him and he was going to use that one instead. <laughs> and I couldn't argue with him because she, the picture was really good yeah. and she had done it on purpose. She'd taken a series of like a dozen pictures until she got it right. Hmm. And, uh, and I knew because she was, you know, cr- creating this and done it on purpose that it was a, a good thing. And uh, But that's happens frequently, so I don't really pursue that kind of work anymore. Uh, it's also more difficult for me being so well-known that if I'm taking pictures of a band and the drummer's girlfriend is taking a picture of me while I'm taking a picture of them, it, it doesn't set up the kind of relaxed situation I usually like. And also right. because people kind of expect that every twitch of my finger is an iconic moment. They're not into working it as, you know, like they used to be, you know, it used to be kind of a joint thing where we would, you know, create the picture together. Right. And now they kind of figure if they just stand there, I'll make it happen. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's not the way it works, you know. Uh, So there's a lot of pressure on me to, you know, come up with things like that. And I'm doing really well selling my old pictures and having exhibitions and making books and that's why i do interviews like this so i spend more time you know what what other
2: uh, what other pictures do you have you mentioned we know the the london with the glasses i I had no idea that was yours Uh i mean obviously we know the new york city we know the kiss dress to kill is there other ones that if you say well
1: there's led zeppelin standing in front of the airplane is a pretty well-known wow okay it kind of sums up the excess of the 70s yeah uh there's a picture of Debbie Harry in a tiger dress. It's, uh, it's actually, nowadays, there's one of her I took at Coney Island that seems to be getting around quite a bit. <laughs> um, but there's loads of pictures out there. Uh, a lot of pictures of The Clash. One of the best live pictures I ever did is a really powerful picture of The Clash. It's on the cover of my book. Uh, also on the cover of the, uh, well, there's a different picture. Uh, I did a whole book of pictures of The Clash that's out there. Um which just was reissued this year, The Clash, photographs by Bob Gruen. Uh, There's a book I did of, all my pictures of the New York Donalds is uh, still available in print. Um, There's uh, a book I did last spring that just came out uh, called uh, See Here, Yoko. A book that we did as a birthday present for Yoko after more than 40 years of working with Yoko. uh, She was turning 80 two years ago. And myself with a friend of mine who's a DJ who's been interviewing Yoko for over 25 years. uh, We took quotes from her interviews and combined them with my photos. And we made a one-off book where nowadays you can upload pictures to, through a program online, mm-hmm. and they send you back a nicely printed hardcover book. And so we did that as a one-off, as a gift for Yoko, and really picked all the pictures as a gift for her. A lot of very personal pictures of her at home with Sean, uh, pictures of her traveling, shopping, uh, a lot of memorable events on tour and, and uh, different events that she uh, you know sponsored. And... Um, and she liked the book so much, she asked us to publish it. Oh, so it came out last spring. I fortunately just in time for the, to be sold at her exhibit at MoMA. <laughs> uh, and it's called "See Here, Yoko," and that's the newest one that I've put together. So you still have a relationship with Yoko? Yeah, so you see um, her sometimes. Actually, next week she's doing a peace circle in Central Park. I expect to see her there. That's
2: great, man. So there's still a lot of, of people that you worked with in the '70s that you still have relationships with.
1: Uh, yeah yeah quite a few uh, most of them i mean a lot of people a lot of people i meet once and you take a photo and that was it and i never met them again other people i met several times and over years became friends with and i'm still friends with today uh, certainly debbie harry and you know the new york dolls that are still alive right. johansson <laughs> and right? um you know uh Last year at my birthday party, Alice Cooper came and sang 18. Really, uh, yeah. Joe Armstrong from Green Day came and sang a couple songs. Have you worked Uh, with Green Day as well? uh, I've been working with Green Day about 18 years now. I'm waiting another two years. I plan to put out a book when it's 20 years of green Day. so that's kind of a modern band that you worked with then and too, so. yeah and i still yeah. work with them i mean i yeah. do take pictures of bands when uh when it's a comfortable situation when mm-hmm. i'm not limited to just three songs in, in front of the stage taking the same picture that everybody else is taking yeah that's uh, kind of the, that's that's Day, the rule right three songs at well, first yeah, yeah. nowadays you go out and you take three songs and you have to beg for permission for three months to get to those three songs and then you have the same photos that the other 20 people who got in there yeah. have and um it's uploaded before the first song is over. There's 3,000 kids in the audience taking pictures, and they upload the picture by before the first song is done. It's already internationally, you know, uh, shown and seen. Uh, it's it's not really something in my, you know, the way I used to work, where you photograph a concert, and then you call me and develop the pictures, and a couple of days later you send them out, and a week or two later they're published. That world doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to compete with, you know people who can upload a picture in in 14 seconds you know yeah yeah um but people like green day i just have fun with them and i just enjoy uh working with them they enjoy having their picture taken um and i have complete access with them so i work with them Uh, another new group that i work with actually i could recommend stripes Mm -hmm. that's s-t-r-y-p-e-s they're a band from ireland they're about 17 years old now uh they're one of the best bands i've seen in years uh it's kind of like seeing the yard birds or the animals when they were 16 or 17. Mm. Um, and were you there because, to see them uh, then they, then? they're not copying anybody. They have the same roots, but they're unique and and just really have the energy and power that so many bands lack. You
2: know? Do you have a, a favorite band just for you personally?
1: Uh be hard to pick a favorite because I, I have a lot of favorites. You know that's what there's like five thousand albums and yeah, I'm just looking you know, surrounded by CDs, books and, all over the place. And I mean on my phone I got thirty five hundred songs and I like them all. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't really have. You know, I can't make lists of my... Well, they once asked me to make a list of top ten favorite albums. And I had like one A, one B, one C. My list <laughs> went to like 25. <laughs> um, I think they printed about 17 and they ran out of space. What were some of the albums you know? that were in there? Uh, Miles Davis, uh, Sketches of Spain, they were kind of blue. Uh, Roland Kirk. Uh, any one of them. Certainly The Clash. You know, Santa um i can turn her live in paris uh, these are just off the top of my yeah. head that i remember otis redding uh y- you know uh live at monterey he was great um i don't know uh, a wide selection yeah i mean yeah. Y- you turn on my ipod and it's just like the voice of god you know <laughs> it's, uh, you know everybody from jack kerouac to um the stripes, you know. <laughs> in between. Final question,
2: is there, when you think about your pictures, is the one picture that, I know you don't like making lists, but is there a picture that stands out to you as being like, wow, this one's my favorite?
1: Well, no, I don't have a favorite because, like you say, I have lots right. of favorites. You know, uh, uh, Fortunately, I have a lot of good ones. Uh, but, you know, up near the top would be the picture of John Leonard of the Statue of Liberty, uh, which I like a lot. Because of what it says, because it says a lot about personal freedom. Because I think a lot of people see John Lennon as a symbol of personal freedom, similar to the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the few pictures I actually thought up in advance and suggested to him that we go out there and make that picture on purpose. Um, and so that one, you know, that I created, I really like. Uh, there's another one that was. Uh, kind of by accident but an accident that happened on purpose because I tried to do something like that Uh, I took a picture of Tina Turner uh, as she was dancing off the stage a a strobe light was flashing Mm -hmm. and I thought if I opened my camera to one second I would catch several of the flashes and see what happened and I took four or five pictures like that and about the other four aren't very good but one picture just captures five images of Tina perfectly that you know, kind of sum up the power and the fury and the grace yeah. and the energy that is Tina Turner Right energy uh, being And, key and it takes more than one picture mm-hmm. to capture Tina Turner, but this is one picture that has five images. Yeah, so uh, You know, I, I really like that one a lot and, and that one helped me a lot in my early career yeah, as well. right. It would help me to meet uh, Ike and Tina mm-hmm. and then that led to meeting all kinds of other people. Do you miss John Lennon? i miss him every day but I also miss you know joe strummer i miss johnny thunders i miss a lot of people a lot of Uh, icons man and you're one of them bob thank you so much all right thank you thanks to
2: bob gruen for having me up to his house to his studio in new york it's the same place that john lennon used to visit uh just not on the same couch but his place was just it was like a rock and roll museum man it had all of these prints on the wall and thousands of albums and it's like it's like you walk in there like this is the 70s. He had so many great pictures of John Lennon like I said the iconic uh, New York City t-shirt The he had some great shots of Blondie some shots of the Stones Mick and Keith on stage live some co- cool stuff from Green Day he had this other great shot of John Lennon with six pairs of sunglasses on if you google John Lennon's sunglasses picture you'll see that Bob and John uh, were, were, were friends and you can always tell that with the work that they did together John was always more open Open in those classic Bob Gruen photographs. But what a great uh, a, a, a great uh, a guest to have on the show. I had to track him down, and he was very agreeable, and I had never met him before and never seen him since. He reminded me a lot of my Stuart Copeland interview uh, and the fact that I don't know uh, if I'll ever see him again, but I had that that really cool moment of time with him. So um, you want to check out more of Bob's incredible pictures, go to BobGruen.com. That last name is spelled G-R-U-E-N, BobGruen.com. Bob's also got some great photography. Photography books out. See here Yoko, which is a book he did with Yoko Ono, Bob Gruen's Rock Scene, that's spelled S E E N, The Clash photographs by Bob Gruen and John Lennon, the New York years. That one is amazing. I checked that one out at Bob's house. You want to go look at it, go to Amazon and pick it up. And if you go to Amazon, please use the talk is Jericho Amazon links uh, and you can support the show and Bob Gruen who deserves it with one tap of your finger, right? You know, the drill, you find the talk is Jericho Amazon links by going to podcast one.com, clicking on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hitting the talk is Jericho button. I got those links uh, for the USA the UK, the Canada, a eh? Every time you use the talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the show to help us cover production costs. No hidden fees or extra shallows. You just buy anything you want on Amazon and you get the best prices, too. So go to podcast1.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit that Talk is Jericho button, okay? Great sponsors are all there. Trucar, Geico, Denso Iridium, TT Spark Plugs, and, of course, DDP Yoga and the DDP Yoga Now app. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to get three free months of the DDP Yoga app. And hey, I've been reading the comments at iTunes. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving your five-star reviews. Thanks for the feedback. I'm glad you guys like the diversity of this show. It's never going to change. I've got a lot of really weird, outside-the-box, um, riveting shows coming up. So please, if you like this show Give them all a chance. Um, and if you haven't uh, gone on iTunes and given us a comment or subscribe, please go do that now. Thanks to uh, Marta Phyllis Basketball, DJ88, Y2Jessica, Matt Moss, Rob RobG45, Owens11B, Tyler Jackson3, 3, Eric336. Eric, thanks for the suggestion to get some of the guys together to talk about Metallica. Seems like the crew cast really went well. We've got another band uh, planned, but I do want to do a Metallica, uh, Metallica cast. Metallicast, cast, I guess you'd say. I'll see what I can do. And thanks for you guys once again for subscribing and for all the great comments. And uh, just a quick note about Daniel Bryan. He retired this week. And I know some people are thinking, oh, it's just a big uh, big angle. This is not an angle. It's very real. And I think we can um, breathe a sigh of relief. As, as much of it sucks that he can never wrestle again, let's be thankful that he got out with his wits about him. I know there's a lot of speculation over the last few months over, you know, that the WWE was holding Daniel Bryan back and everyone was clearing him except for the WWE doctor. We should thank the WWE and their doctors for holding out on this because they were right. Uh, Daniel went on uh, on ESPN this week and said that he's had some uh, post-concussion seizures and he actually has a, a lesion on his brain caused by a concussion. That is serious, serious stuff. You know, you talk about the, the horrible tragedy with Chris Benoit, uh, the movie Concussion, uh, all the Work that Chris Nowinski has done, we know that this is real. We know it can be very, very damaging to have a concussion. And at 34 years old, the fact that Brian walked away and can have a normal life and hopefully no more symptoms, to me means more than any five-star matches that he can have. So if you haven't seen his final speech on Raw, you, you got to track it down. It was just riveting, unbelievably emotional and a, a great piece of of work a great way to send off who in my opinion one of the greatest of all times we only worked together twice i believe uh, once uh, his very first match in WWE was with me when he was back in the early days of NXT. And then we had another match, a singles match on Raw one time. If we had any others, I, I don't remember them. But actually, my favorite thing I ever did with Daniel Bryan was this uh, promo that we did where it ends up with him chanting yes and me, me, me chanting ever again. I think there's actually a, a mashup of it. yes. Ever, yes, ever again, Yes, ever again, Yes, ever again, Something like that. It was really, really funny. You might want to go check that out too. So uh, the, thanks for everything that Brian Danielson did. I had a good chance to, I had a chance to talk with him uh, in Seattle for about 10, 15 minutes. I tracked him down. He's kind of hiding out in a room. And I was like, oh, this, so this is how you get shown in the dressing room. Just, just retire. So it was cool to talk to him. And uh, he's been on Talk as Jericho a couple times now. And maybe in the future, I'll have him on again to discuss his post-concussion life. But uh, like I said, happy trails to Brian Danielson. Much respect. One of my all-time favorites. And one of my new favorites, AJ Styles. If you didn't see the match we had on SmackDown last night. Whew. It was a barn burner, man. Instant classic. Four and a half stars out of five, if I do say so myself. And will there be more matches? Well, you just never know. Just keep watching. Keep enjoying what we're doing. Keep on uh, keeping on, as I always say. And uh, thanks for listening today. And keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. Uh, and that's it. That's that has been a great week on Talk is Jericho. And the hits keep on coming. And next week, we've actually got uh, a very heavy show. And, uh, if you guys remember the Station Nightclub fire that happened about 12 years ago, uh, the the huge fire in Providence, Rhode Island that uh, burned down a club that Great White was playing in, and 100 people in that club passed away. Uh, it's a terrible story. I got Mike Riccardi, who actually survived that fire. He was inside uh, the, the Station Nightclub when it went up in flames, and in about 90 seconds, he was able to escape as the entire place went up like a tinderbox, and his best friend who was with him did not make it out. His best friend passed away. And I've got the whole riveting, riveting story uh, from Mike Riccardi, who was in the station nightclub. We're going to go through all of the evidence as to what happened in this horrible tragedy, one of the worst in American history, where 100 people passed away. Mike wrote a book called Just the Thought Away, A True Story of Friendship, Tragedy, and the Will to Live. And we're going to uh, talk about that as well. So it's gonna be a little bit different, but um, what a what, what a story it is, what a story it is. And it was gonna be here next Wednesday. So we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening. You guys be cool, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and yeah boy. You can
0: download new episodes of Talk Is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.